Hey there. This week on The Emily Show, we took our eyes off of the Girardi bankruptcy case for just a hot minute, and it got itself into all sorts of trouble, like a kid that's being too quiet. We have been focused over on the YouTubes, on the Toddy Westbrook defamation case, but in the time that we've been focusing on the wildness happening in that case, quite a lot has gone down in the bankruptcy case for Tom Girardi and Girardi Keese, husband or estranged husband to Real Housewife, Erica Jane. You guys, there is so much to talk about in this case today. So I'm going to break down just what's going on in the bankruptcy court. Buckle up. There's a lot happening here. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. It's expensive to be me, Erica Jane. Let's just jump right in. And yes, we start with quotes now. That's a thing that we do on The Emily Show. (laughs) Every single week, we're starting with a quote. Also a reminder that if you are listening to the audio version and have not gone and checked out the YouTube channel, just head on over to watchemily.com and join me on the YouTubes. If you are finding this on the YouTubes, go ahead and subscribe. Just just hit the subscribe, and then you can stay up to date with all the things. Like this case, a brief, brief, like the briefest of brief background. This all popped off in public eye in November-ish when Erica Jane filed for divorce from Tom Girardi as there were also federal court goings-on with regard to the Lion Air Boeing crash case. In that case, co-counsel for Tom Girardi and Girardi Keese sued him for failing to pay essentially clients from that case who had settled that case, amongst other things. I have episodes and videos breaking that down. But as that all popped off, lawsuits sprung up like leaks in a dam, and eventually a number of creditors pushed this into chapter seven involuntary bankruptcy. Running up to this, there were lawsuits filed against Tom Girardi and his law firm Girardi Keese in January, 2019 with regard to Law Finance Group, who you will hear mentioned more in June, 2019 with regard to Rui Gomez and the Rui Gomez case that has settled for $11 million. There was a February 2020 suit with Stillwell Madsen, a name you will hear coming up. Then there was a May 2020 suit with regard to the home security company, an August 2020 suit with a individual named Azita, a name that will come up, a September 2020 suit from the law offices of Finn, that is another law firm saying that they were owed co-counsel fees, essentially. Then a October 2020 case from KCC Class Action, another October 2020 case from another client 
of Tom Girardi alleging breach of contract and legal malpractice, the November 3rd filing of the divorce, a December 2nd filing of that federal case from Edelson PC in Illinois regarding that Boeing plane crash, and then a December 9th, 2020 case from the law office of Sheldon, another co-counsel firm alleging breach of contract, then a December 9th case from Wells Fargo, a December 14th case from Keese Infinity. That is Girardi Keese, Keese being the former partner. There is a lawsuit regarding the business property, and then another December 14th, 2020 lawsuit from Keese with regard to an individual breach of contract for alleging essentially failure to pay out retirement funds. That was the groundwork before the December 18th involuntary bankruptcy petition. Involuntary bankruptcy means that you're not the one saying, I'm bankrupt, I'm bankrupt. Other people are saying, bro, you're bankrupt. Like, what is happening? This was sparked by a wave of lawsuits that we just talked about and the inability, it seemed, of Girardi Keese, the law firm, and Tom Girardi to pay those. And we will get into the petition because it lays shit out in this case. On December 24th, the motion of petition and creditors for the appointment of an interim trustee was filed, including declarations from Paul Cody, Boris Trezion. I think I'm pronouncing that properly. I apologize if I'm not. Trezion, that's what we're going with. And Kimberly Archie. The declaration of Paul Cody, he is the the CEO of one of the lending companies that Tom Girardi relied heavily on called Cal Lending 2 in uh, this suit. What was laid out in this declaration was kind of the situation that we're in and why the bankruptcy is needed. What this lays out is that Tom Girardi was borrowing money from various litigation lenders. Now, Tom Girardi's firm, Girardi Keys, works on contingency. Contingency means that when you hire the attorney, they front the money to do the work and then take those costs back when you reach a settlement, and then they take back their fees when you reach a settlement. So if you reach a million-dollar settlement, they will take out their costs first, so hard costs, what they paid for, what they did court reporters hiring, depositions, things like that. They'll take those costs first. Then they'll take their fees, how much they get paid, the percentage they get paid. Then the remainder of the settlement goes to the client. But to front those costs, they rely on lending services like this Cal Lending service. There are others, including Stillwell, which we talked about. And this declaration alleges there are five total lenders. Now, when they broke it down, when Paul Cody broke it down in his declaration, he said that he estimated, quote, a total of 39 million in outstanding loans from five different lenders. Girardi Keese and Girardi had created a web of deceit surrounding the law firm, its financing and its collateral that was bound to disastrously unravel, which we are watching happen. Now, what he's alleging in this declaration is that Tom Girardi and his law firm, Girardi Keys, were re-promising the same collateral. So, hey, lend me this money. 
I have this thing. This thing's worth this much money. And I promise you, if this loan goes bad, you can have this thing. Well, he promised the same thing they're saying to all of the five lenders. Sometimes that thing was a physical thing. Sometimes that thing was anticipated settlements from other cases. And we're going to talk about some of those outstanding cases in just a second. They also, in this declaration, referred to the whole scheme as a house of cards. And I'm like, ah, bitch, I've been saying that. I have repeatedly said that. This whole thing is a house of cards that has come crashing down, it seems to me. The other thing that is so interesting about this is these allegations with regard to financial documents and lending seem to indicate there was falsification on these documents because Girardi was not upfront with the lenders that this same collateral was being promised in other loans. And there may be issues there as well when we get through this bankruptcy proceeding. The declaration indicates that there are still some pretty substantial settlements to be reached in some of the cases that the Girardi Keys firm has. And those settlements are the kind of the football in the fight that's going on in the bankruptcy court right now. Who are the attorneys that are going to be representing the clients in these settlements? Because Tom Girardi's not representing anyone. Girardi Keese is basically disbanded, it seems, at this point. And someone has to keep representing those clients. There are still people out there who signed with the Girardi Keese law firm to represent them. Girardi Keese has presumably done some work on their behalf or is getting them close to settlement. And those legal cases are still moving forward, even though the lawyer it seems to be out of the picture. So... Some of those cases that were noted in this declaration are the Porter Ranch case, which is a large gas leak case in California. They are estimating in this declaration that that could be between $900 million and a $1 billion in settlement, and that the Girardi Keese firm represents over 8,300 individuals as plaintiffs in that case. That case is becoming quite the focus of some of the litigation that is now going on within the bankruptcy court. There's also the Route 91 Las Vegas shooting case that some of you may remember. There is a $800 million settlement proposed in that case that was supposed to be deposited sometime in November. So that settlement is still going to have to get parceled out to the clients represented by Girardi Keys. That's in addition to all of the other active cases this law firm still has. Now, there is concern in this declaration and others that the lawyers are coming out of the woodwork, like ants at a picnic, trying to get to these clients and subvert them, it indicates, away from Girardi Keys. Like, hey, are you seeing what's going on in the news? You know you have the right to fire Girardi Keys and sign with us. We've got your back. And the bankruptcy court is trying to kind of stop the most valuable asset, the potential settlements in these clients and their cases from walking out the door. But you can understand the position that these clients must be in wondering what is happening with their cases now that the entire law firm is in bankruptcy. So I can understand the frustration of a client sitting there trying to figure out what to do. I can understand the opportunity other firms must see. And I can understand the position of the bankruptcy trustee going, no, no, what we're not going to do is you're not going to come and take the property out of the hands of bankruptcy for your own 
benefit. That all has to be done through the bankruptcy court. It would be it would be as if you were getting ready to liquidate a home and somebody just started walking in and taking the chairs and the artwork away. No. No, you can't just take the assets. And in this case, because it's a law firm, the most valuable assets that seem to be remaining are the potential settlements and the cases, which are directly connected to clients who undoubtedly are tremendously frustrated right now trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with their cases. Cases that can have deadlines coming up, conferences coming up, depositions coming up. I can only imagine what a mess this is at this point. And we're only up to December 24th in this timeline, right? Okay. So November 4th, 2021, the France Law Group, FLG for our purposes, filed a response and non-opposition. Now, they are claiming that they are co-counsel on the Porter Ranch case representing those over 8,000 clients saying, hey, um, It's interesting that in the December 24th document, Boris uh, Trazion and his law firm, Axe, said that they were representing some of these Porter Ranch clients, but actually we are the ones representing or should be representing these Porter Ranch clients because we are already co-counsel. We've already been working on this case. And then in this France Law Group, the FLG filing on November 4th, they took issue with what Cal Lending had stated in the declaration and in that motion saying, wait, wait, what do you mean that the funds from the Porter Ranch case have been promised to Cal Lending as collateral? Nobody told us about it. Um, We're fascinated to hear that. The clients didn't know about it. We didn't know about it. So Cal Lending, it seems, is saying, hey, there's this 800, 900 million to a billion dollar settlement out there, that should be part of our collateral. We are entitled to some of that. And the co-counsel saying, uh, no, no, nobody ever told us that this case was being used as collateral. And no one told the clients that their case was being used as collateral. So you can already see the fight brewing over the Porter Ranch case. And keep in mind when we're talking about this, there are still over 8,000 people who are clients in that case. So as I'm going through this, when you feel like this case is being used as a football, it represents quite a lot of people. And just for a quick reference for those not from Southern California, this is coming from a gas leak case that it seems went back over 40 years where SoCalGas knew of the leak and didn't do anything about it, which led to health issues, contamination of the area, contamination of water, and a blowout of that area on October 23rd, 2015. The litigation is still ongoing with that, but it looks like it's close to that settlement according to these documents. So that is kind of a brief, brief, brief summary of the Porter Ranch gas leak case. Now we are up to just January 13th. There was a motion filed by Robert Girardi requesting an extension of time to file a response to the bankruptcy petition and to be appointed as guardian ad litem of his brother, Tom Girardi. 
Now, a guardian ad litem generally is somebody who acts on behalf of a party that's either a child or incompetent. It is someone who's guarding your interest. It is someone who is standing essentially in your place for a particular reason because you cannot do it yourself. This is something that's fairly rare in bankruptcy, fairly common in like family court or or proceedings where you're dealing with children who aren't of legal age to represent their own interests. Now, this was filed on January 13th, but the response from Tom Girardi was due January 12th. And that response was his response to like, hey, this is my plan to pay all of it back. This is why I shouldn't be in bankruptcy. So Tom Girardi's brother, Robert, indicated in his declaration that he believed Tom was suffering from short-term memory loss, that he is, quote, incapable of realizing and understanding the repercussions of the bankruptcy filings pending against him and his law firm, that he is not capable of making rational decisions with respect to his financial responsibilities, and that he offers solutions and opinions that are factually impossible. The court was having none of this and said, um, no, the motion for a trustee is granted, and then an interim trustee was appointed. So that means on January 13th, this was pulled all the way up into bankruptcy because, in part, no response was filed by Tom Girardi. On the 14th, the court formally denied the motion and set a hearing for the guardian ad litem question for February 16th. On January 19th, Edelson PC, the co-counsels in the case in Illinois with regard to the plane crash, who also filed, they filed the spiciest of the early lawsuits saying that they thought the divorce was a sham and that they um, they included links to voicemails from Tom Girardi within their filing. That's been broken down on my YouTube channel. It was a very colorful filing um, with quite a lot of information from these older cases that hadn't really come to light in quite the same way until this Edelson PC filing. They filed an opposition to the appointment of a guardian ad litem saying, um, bro seemed to find us. He has been signing declarations under penalty of perjury. He's been giving interviews. He's been giving speeches. He's been engaged. Seems all good. And if the court's inclined to appoint a guardian ad litem, please wait until the conservatorship proceeding continues. That's right. Just like we've talked about the Britney Spears conservatorship, there is now a pending conservatorship in this case. And as we get up to speed with where you're at sitting here on February 1st, uh, there's been some movement there as well, but we'll get to that at the end. So they were saying, deny it. Or if you don't deny it, at least wait until a conservator is or is not appointed. So then the bankruptcy court has some guidance on what to do. Then on January 25th, the bankruptcy trustee filed a lawsuit against Axe Law Firm and Boris Trazon for, and these are the causes of action, violation of the automatic stay, turnover of property to the estate, intentional interference with prospective economic advantage, intentional interference with contractual relations, declaratory relief, and avoidance of unauthorized post-petition transfers. So those are the causes of actions that are being alleged. Here's what happens in bankruptcy. The bankruptcy trustee can go sue people. 
and is doing it in this instance. The bankruptcy trustee has the right to sue to try to regain property that is proper for Girardi Keese or Tom Girardi. So in the Edelson PC lawsuit, they allege that the law firm of Girardi Keese loaned Erica Jane, real housewife, it's expensive to be me, loaned her $20 million to her company, EJ Creative. I am presuming that this is kind of her hire out company, the company where she's paid for Real Housewives and such. It's the way that most people who kind of act as talent do things and a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Nothing weird about doing that. Just what I'm assuming is done when I'm seeing him loaning $20 million to EJ Creative. So they're alleging that loan That means that if that's found to be true when these accountings are done, that the bankruptcy trustee can sue EJ Creative on behalf of the estate, the estate being all of the property of the law firm, Girardi Keese, can sue on behalf of the estate. And we could see the bankruptcy trustee suing EJ Creative to recover that $20 million to pay back the people who need to be paid back in this bankruptcy. But bankruptcy becomes like the container for all of these things. So if there's lawsuits, those all get handled within the bankruptcy court. And when I talked about the Boy Scout of America bankruptcy, we talked about this being sometimes a strategy when it comes to lots of litigation and sometimes lots of litigation across the country. This pulls all of the litigation into one place, and that's what's going to happen in this case as well, I believe. So what does the bankruptcy trustee say that Axe and Boris Trazion did? Well, they allege that that law firm, that's a lot of that, but they allege that that law firm is trying to ensnare current clients of Girardi Keese and trying to kind of lure them away. Now, at the beginning of the bankruptcy, the trustee alleges that to ensure that current clients of Girardi Keese were protected and that the interests of the estate, the estate being all of the property that's going to be paid out, were protected. The trustee entered into NDAs with five law firms, including Axe. The trustee determined that the Porter Ranch case was at a point where it did not make sense to bring in new counsel and reached an agreement with the France Law Group, that FLG group that we talked about earlier, they were already co-counsel on the case, so it seems that it made sense that the bankruptcy trustee did not pay to get somebody else up to speed, but let France Law Group carry out the remainder of this case through what seems to be a settlement. The possibility of that agreement became public record on January 20th when there was a stipulation entered on the record in the bankruptcy court. The bankruptcy trustee alleges that the Axe Law Group then sent unsolicited emails and letters to the Porter Ranch clients. The bankruptcy trustee says that the letters state that Girardi Keese is their counsel. So the letter that people receive or the email that people receive states, hey, Girardi Keese is your counsel and notified the individuals that Girardi Keese is in involuntary bankruptcy proceedings and there are other concerning allegations. The letter implies, according to the bankruptcy trustee, that it's being sent with the blessing of the court and tells clients that recently our firm indicated to the court that we would be assisting with many of the Porter Ranch cases. Then it asks them to sign in a retainer agreement with their firm with a link, like, hey, here's a link, sign the retainer agreement, and informs them that it is of utmost importance. 
on January 22nd, 2021, the trustee sent a cease and desist by email to the firm. And then that was replied to on January 24th with Trazion denying any wrongdoing. But it's not just that. The language is stronger. We'll get into his response in just a moment. And after the response of, yeah, no, we're not going to go ahead and, and do what you're asking us to do, another email was sent to the Porter Ranch families with a retainer agreement link. <laughs> it's just this, this is becoming the attorney's within the bankruptcy, fighting over who's representing this case. And it's very interesting to see how contentious and how quickly contentious this got. The response from the Trazion, from Trazion and the Axe group argues that the France Law Group has been allowed to communicate with clients and encourage them to sever ties with Girardi Keys and continue representing clients. The response from Acts also states, quote, turning back to the substance of the January 22 letter and your accusations and threats, what, quote, applicable legal authority and, quote, professional rules, end quote, are you relying upon in making these threats against me and my firm? I do not, by the way, nots in all capitals, if you couldn't hear it in my voice, I do not take accusations of unethical behavior or a threat of sanctions lightly. I take actionable slander propagated to potential clients even more seriously. Since you do not appear to have any authority or facts to support your accusations, please allow me to provide you with such facts and authority which support the actions of our firm. It is just a lawyer bitch slap, and it is sassy. This entire response from the Axe Law Group goes in. It just goes in on the bankruptcy trustee. The bankruptcy trustee clearly wasn't having it because on, you know, January 25th, after right after that was sent, they went ahead and sued that law firm within the bankruptcy court. The fighting over who is representing the Porter Ranch clients has gotten fierce. And with a potential billion-dollar settlement on the line, I'm not surprised. In all of it, it makes me very, very sad for the Porter Ranch clients because I am sure they are deeply frustrated and unsure of what the fuck is even happening. And I can only imagine that after you sign with a law firm, not even that, after you've been through a tragedy that requires you to sign with a law firm in the middle of a class action suit to finally feel like you're getting somewhere with litigation. Remember, this happened over five years ago. So this has already been a journey for these families to now have to go through this, I can only I can only imagine how tremendously exhausting and frustrating, especially with the fact that in this um, in the filings in this bankruptcy court, it seems that they have moved along quite substantially in this case to the point where there is at least a value on a settlement, meaning this case is moving towards resolution and moving towards resolution enough that the bankruptcy trustee has said this case is so far along it doesn't even make sense to bring in another law firm. So I can I I have tremendous empathy for the families who thought that they were getting near being done and then this entire shit show has happened in the middle of a very large case over 8,000 plaintiffs. So I can see why the law firms are coming out of the woodwork to try to get a piece of this, but the circumstances surrounding it 
are very interesting. And I think we might warrant a deep dive into what is going on with the Porter Ranch case inside of bankruptcy, because there have been quite a lot of filings with regard to just that. And even more troubling concerns, appearances of impropriety with regard to the attorney who is the initial attorney that filed on behalf of the uh, initial debtors, seemingly allowing the attorney from Axe to file court documents under his number, essentially, for the digital filing. Just some really, really wonky stuff going on and just a lot of infighting over this. So that aspect of the bankruptcy may warrant a deep dive. Let me know what you think. And if you want to see a deep dive, either tag me on social media at the Emily D. Baker or leave a comment on the YouTube video and let me know if you want to deep dive into what is happening with these Porter Ranch cases uh, inside of the bankruptcy court, because there is quite a lot that's been filed with regard to that aspect of it. But for our purposes, we're going to keep moving on. On January 26, 2021, Wells Fargo started seeking relief from the automatic stay. We've talked about the automatic stay a few times, but just for the sake of clarity, an automatic stay is a essentially a stop order. You know, stop, collaborate, and listen. I suspect with a brand new. I need a new stop song because I've done stop with the (laughs) Spice Girls, and I've done stop with Vanilla Ice, and we've done like stop in the name of love. I need. I need more. There's lots of stopping in litigation. So I'm going to need to find another, another stop song. But either way, I digress. The, the point of stop is that the automatic stay, when things go into bankruptcy, everything freezes. It's like, hold up. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do not proceed. Nothing happens. Now the bankruptcy trustee like takes the reins and is like, I am driving this. What y'all are doing is pausing. And we're going to then move forward. But Wells Fargo has filed a lawsuit against Gerardi Keys prior to the bankruptcy being filed. They filed their action uh, December 9th against Gerardi Keys for over $880,000. But it seems that Wells Fargo was the lender for the office equipment or for like all of the actual physical shit within the office over on Wilshire. It's a lot. That's a lot of office equipment at $880,000, but I don't know how large their office is. So what Wells Fargo is asking for is that the bankruptcy trustee allow them to just, it seems, repossess the property that the loan was securing. So they were the lender to lease this office equipment. And now that the offices are vacated, it's like, hey, could we just go ahead and take that back now? And then we could like recover our losses, please. Thank you. Let us just, we will see ourselves out. If you just let us go and repossess the stuff, we'll just see our way out of this bankruptcy and we'll be done. Okay. Thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs> that is, um, that is what I'm getting from Wells Fargo asking for the stay. Then on February 1st, an attorney was hired by the bankruptcy trustee. So the bankruptcy trustee was able to bring in an attorney expert, probably because other people are going to be getting sued all up in here, I would imagine, as we start to recover fees. And you need an attorney expert to start handling this 
on behalf of the trustee, because the trustee has now taken the reins of the estate. The trustee is driving this. What's getting sold? What experts we need? And is in charge of parsing this seeming like just, I don't, there aren't even words for the enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash. There are words. There are words for it. (laughs) The enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash that is this bankruptcy. Because from other reports, it seems that the Girardi Keys firm did most of their banking or bookkeeping like on paper and shit. And that it seems from other reports that the client funds didn't all go into their own little client accounts. They got commingled and sometimes loans weren't noted when money was taken out of the firm. So it seems that the accounting and the forensic accounting on this is going to be a giant steaming hot mess, but the bankruptcy trustee is in charge of unwinding all of that, finding where the assets are, finding where any monies loaned out are. So if the law firm did loan people funds, getting those funds back. And then if other firms are trying to take clients and those client settlements, remember the law firm of Girardi Keys is entitled to their costs their attorney fees, and then the money goes to the clients. So that's at least 50%, oftentimes more, of the settlement when all those things are accounted for. So the bankruptcy trustee is going to fight like hell to keep those clients taken care of and get their cases settled so those funds can come into the bankruptcy to try to solve all of the outstanding amounts that are owed, including the amounts that are owed to the plane crash victims, to the Rui Gomez family, and to others. I'm hoping that the clients that get taken in under the bankruptcy court don't have to worry about not getting their portion of their settlements the way past clients are now fighting for. We will talk about past clients in another longer episode, but when I was going back and looking at those past cases, the thing that struck me was how many of them were dismissed because they were time-barred. That means that by the time it was figured out by the client and they retained another attorney and they went through litigation to try to go after attorney malpractice or try to get the funds that they were owed or thought they were owed and weren't able to recover from Girardi Keys, the court said, we're sorry, this needed to be brought sooner and you didn't. There were numerous cases like that. And oftentimes it's a year from kind of discovering that there might be malpractice. And it looks to me, again, monument to the gods of speculation, but it looks to me like there was a pattern there where clients were told that their money was going to be taken care of by Girardi Keys and were strung along enough that by the time they put their foot down, the court was like, we're sorry, you should have brought this sooner And because it was numerous cases, and based on the interviews I've seen with other clients saying, no, we were told we were going to just get the funds that he was taking care of us, it for us, that, you know, not to worry that it was handled, seeing those reports and then seeing numerous cases be time barred, I was like, is this, is this the ongoing pattern of stringing clients along? And then by the time they actually say, oh my God, I actually have to sue my lawyer. The court was like, yeah, you needed to do that way sooner. It's just, 
it, it's deeply troubling to me that that looks like the pattern based on what I've seen. And again, that's my opinion based on the reports that I've read, based on the interviews that I've read, and based on the amount of those cases that were brought and dismissed because the time had expired. It's, it's, all of this is troubling. All of this is fucking bad. So we will see how this shakes out. Again, these are allegations, but there are numerous settlements out there that haven't been paid. And there's that court finding in the federal court in Illinois saying, no, where's the money, bro? And the response in the federal court was, um, yeah, we're not going to be able to pay those clients. And I've advised my client not to answer with regards to where did the money go. So based on all of that, I'm I'm just looking at this going, oh my God, oh my, the, this is still not even, we're not even under the waterline on this iceberg, I don't think. Unfortunately, a lot of clients are going to be in the same boat with their claims being time barred from when they discovered malpractice. But hopefully for the clients that still have ongoing cases, they're going to be able to get their cases resolved. The bankruptcy court seems to be working with law firms, at least five of them, to try to make sure that those clients still have an attorney to represent them. But you guys, this is such a fucking mess. So there is now an attorney in the bankruptcy court. I assume that means that in coming days or weeks or months, we will see more lawsuits filed within the bankruptcy court. The accountants have already been appointed. So I'm sure the forensic accounting is already well underway. And then on the conservatorship case, as of Monday, February 1st, it looks like Tom Girardi's brother has been appointed as a temporary conservator because of a medical emergency over the past weekend at the end of January. So that's what they were looking for. They wanted to have a conservator appointed that will allow him to then more likely come into the bankruptcy case as a guardian ad litem. Tom Girardi at this point and his law firm, Girardi Keys, still don't have an attorney present in the bankruptcy court. We have not seen Erica Jane or an attorney representing her show up to any of these hearings, even though marital property is going to be at issue within this bankruptcy. It's one of the questions I get asked the most. What happens to her stuff? Well, the divorce isn't going to go forward until, you know, this stuff is settled, I don't believe, because the marital property will go to the bankruptcy first and then get divided up in the divorce. So there are so many moving pieces in this. It will be, oh, it's it's we're not going to hear the end of this for quite a while because I imagine the forensic accounting is going to take some time. But there's all these little issues that keep popping up, like the fight over the Porter Ranch clients, like the conservatorship and the questions regarding Tom Girardi's health. The other question I get asked quite frequently is because Tom Girardi is in his 80s and because he seems to be having more frequent and recurring health issues, if he were to pass during all of this, what happens? And when it comes to bankruptcy, the estate's already in bankruptcy and the bankruptcy just keeps rolling. The the estate of assets just keeps going. So it would really matter for any criminal investigation. We know that the judge in the Illinois case, the federal case with regard to the Lion Air crashes, did forward this case to federal prosecutors like, hey, y'all need to peep this. 
there's some shit happening here. So with regard to that criminal punishment is over the individual, if the individual is not there, then there is no punishment for that individual. But with regard to bankruptcy, the bankruptcy estate, which is everything that you own that can be dealt with in bankruptcy, just stays as your estate of stuff. So that is a fairly brief rundown, as brief as it's going to be with regard to the bankruptcy case. It's a lot. That fight over the the Porter Ranch stuff, you guys, is just, it's going to be very interesting to see how it shakes out. If you have any questions, tag me on social, share this episode in a screenshot, ask your question and tag me at the Emily D Baker on Twitter or Instagram. And I will be happy to try to answer those or to answer them in a follow-up episode or live. I am live on YouTube on Tuesday mornings at 11 a.m. Central and Friday evenings for Friday Night Live at 7 p.m. Central. So come and catch me over there where I answer your questions and give quicker case updates. Mm sometimes longer case updates. It just depends on the case (laughs) and the day. And I will talk to you in the next one. Thanks, friend. (laughs) 